All right. Good morning, Faith Church. What's going on, everybody? Hey, welcome to the house. Man, it's so good to have you guys here. To all of our Faith Church family, man, it's so good to have you in the house. We honor, man, everybody tuning in online. Come on, let's welcome our online guests. We have people that watch literally from all over the nation, some around the world. Thanks for tuning in. My name is Steve Husky, lead pastor here at Faith Church. And come on, we say it every week that we believe that Jesus, come on, he is the hope of the world. So whoever you are, wherever you are, whatever you're going through, your issue, your hurt, your heartache, or your habit, if you'll open up your life to Jesus, it'll be the greatest decision, come on, that you've ever made. How many people already know that's true? Come on, let's give God some big praise. So let me jump right back in by asking this question. Uh, how many of you in this room, and listen, you got to put your pride aside to answer it. Lawrenceburg, Florence, how many of you in this room or watching online, have you ever actually ran out of gas? Wave at me. I haven't. This is just up by example, right? Here's, here's how I know I haven't because they have these little things. They're called gauges. And then you actually know if you're about to run out of gas, but I get it. I'm with you because some of you actually think the gauge is wrong and you're right and it doesn't care what the gauge says. I got another good five miles to go. And so some of you misguessed the gauge. So man, we see it from time to time, right? You know, and here's the thing. If you see somebody walking down the street with a gas can, they're not going to mow the lawn. They're going to fill up their car. They're out of gas on the side of the road. Now, I'm just telling you, there's one thing I've learned in life that you never want to buy luggage in an airport and you never want to buy a fuel can in a gas station because they are going to gouge you because you're one of the suckers that didn't listen to the gas gauge. Come on, we just wave at one more time if that's you. It happens. It happens to the best of us. Here's the thing. You know, as you're driving down the road, there is this inverse proportional feeling between the level of your gas gauge and the level of your anxiety right? The lower the gas gauge gets, the higher your anxiety gets. At least for me, I know I need to pull over and get some gas. But again, man, sometimes, unfortunately, we just run out. So think about this. As important as gas is to our car, we want to make sure it's fueled up. What is it that we're fueling our kids with? I just want to tackle this idea today of how do we help our kids live a high-octane life for God? We're starting a brand new series today entitled Hot Rod. Everybody say Hot Rod. Hot For the next three weeks, we're going to talk about some parenting essentials. Now, if you're here and you don't have kids, you might be quick to say, listen, I'm out. I don't have kids. Don't want to have any kids. And so anything you say today is irrelevant. And I just would challenge everybody here in Florence and Lawrenceburg, I just would encourage you to lean in. If you are a parent, want to be a parent, hope to be a parent or a grandparent, if you have influence over any kids, if you are a foster parent or you want to adopt one day or you're a school teacher or a nursery worker, whoever you are, I would encourage you still to lean into this conversation that God would equip you to be an influencer over the lives of kids. But especially if you're a parent, I believe one of the highest responsibilities we have is to lead our kids well. Come on. And so for the next three weeks, we're going to lean into this conversation, again, entitled Hot Rod. And today, week one, we're going to spin off of the word rod, hot rod. We're going to talk about running on full, how you can help your kids live a high octane for God, how to help them to run on full. Next week, we're going to talk about offering them order, bringing order in their life. And then week number three, Pastor Ryan's going to close out this series by giving your kids direction, giving your kids direction. So again, here's the idea, right? Again, all of us, we are well aware how important a gas tank is in the lives of our own car, making sure it runs well. How important is it to fuel our children? Think about for a minute some of the things we're fueling our kids with. And these are things I think that are important. We make sure that our kids are fueled with nutrients, right? All of us know the battle of trying to get our kids to eat well from the time that they get off the bottle to start eating just some baby food. 
You know, they always resist the vegetables and you have to coax them into, you know, you got to do the airplane, like trying to get them to eat what they need because they need nutrients. And you wrestle to get them to eat breakfast or to sit down at night and to have dinner with family. The challenge is we want to make sure they're fueled with nutrients. They have the nutrition they need. A lot of us, we're making sure that they're fueled with the education that they need. We're challenged. We're like, hey, you got to do your homework. You got to try in school. Like, you don't have to get A's. Some of you, like, this is your, like, some of you, like, it's A's or nothing. But, like, hey, you don't have to get A's, but you got to try. You got to learn. Get your homework done. We make sure not only they have nutrition and education, we're making sure, right, they just have information. That they're learning just kind of the basics of what it means to be a human being. We're teaching them manners. And a lot of us in this room, a lot of us in Lawrenceburg, we're making sure our kids are fueled with competition. Right? We're making sure, man, a lot of you parents, you're chasing the AAU dream that your kid's going to be a hot shot one day. And here's the thing why I think all those play a certain level of importance. I think the challenge is if you're taking notes, the number one responsibility of every parent is to fuel their child's faith. Let me say that again. The number one responsibility of every parent is to fuel your child's faith. Like, we got to make sure if they're going to live a high-octane life for God, out of all the ways we're trying to fuel the tank, out of all the things we're pouring in, the thing we got to be consistently pouring into their life is we have to fuel their faith. Now, I'm just going to tell you, I understand as a parent, I am a parent, that there are, there's certainly this tension, and you feel it as a parent, and I feel it as a parent, between expectations between what we want, right? There's this, the world's pushing on us, what we should offer our kids, what we should do for our kids. There's things our kids want, things they demand, things they hope happen. There's things we want for them. And in the midst of an incredibly busy life with limited time, oftentimes it feels very overwhelming. Can I just get an amen? To be a parent feels very overwhelming to try to make sure they get the nutrition and they get on the ball field and they get a good education and we fuel their faith. But in the midst of all that, I just want to tell you, man, that we got to make sure that we lean into the thing they need most. How many of you have ever heard of or ever played the survival test game? Now, you may not recognize it by the name, but I've actually seen this pop up lots of different times. I've seen it pop up in like little youth conversations. I've seen it actually pop up in leadership conversations as an exercise just to get people to think. And here's, here's the game. Behind me is a list of 28 different items. And I want everybody in this room, everybody in Lawrenceburg, I want you to imagine for a minute that you are stranded on an island for 30 days and you can take any five, but only five of these items with you. I want everybody for a minute, maybe to lean into someone else beside you. If you know them, if you don't, you can talk to them anyways. I want everybody here to, to maybe name one item that you would take with you and why, and maybe an item you absolutely wouldn't take with you and why. Come on, go ahead. Lawrenceburg, there's some cool items on here. What's something you would take with you? And why? What's something that you wouldn't take? And why? I'm just going to tell you real quick, don't sleep on the toilet paper. Listen, 30 days of leaves is too much. How many people are saying take the chocolate? Because you can have five bad days on an island and chocolate makes everything better. Let's go, somebody. Here's the thing. Again, the purpose of this exercise is just to generate uh, teamwork. It's to generate conversation. It's to generate strategy. Here's what I want to tell you is while there are things on this list like chocolate, like toilet paper that might make your life on the island easier, there are things that are not really essential, right? Here's what you need to know. If you're ever caught in a place where you need to survive, you need three things to survive. You need food, you need water, and you need shelter. 
And so if you're looking at this list, you need to make sure you're taking something with you that's helping you somehow to capture, kill, or prepare food. You need something that's helping you to prepare or boil or prepare water. And you want to make sure you have something with you that's going to help provide some shelter. Here's why that's important, because as parents, there's so many things we're trying to make sure that our children have. We're trying to make sure there's so many things that they have in their life. But I want you to know something. While a lot of us are making sure our kids have what's easy, a lot of us are not making sure they have what's essential. We're giving them what they, sometimes what they, what is nice, but I'm telling you, we got to give them what's necessary. And what's necessary is we give them these three things. We give them food, water, and shelter. We give them Jesus, who's the bread of life. We give them Jesus, who's the living water. And we we give him Jesus who promised to all of us for all time that he is the strong tower that we can run into and be found safe. So there's a verse, maybe you heard it before. It's pretty challenging. And when I read this is all of us in this room who have kids, who want to have kids, who have grandkids, who are in positions and places of leadership over kids. I want you to think about the weight of this verse as we manage and decide what our kids get, how we allocate our time, here's what Jesus said. I want us to read it together, every voice. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Let's try it with actually everybody, reading it together. Every voice, Lawrenceburg, come on, every voice. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world and lose your own soul? You know what Jesus is saying? Jesus is saying this, hey, parents, what good is it if, you're, if your kids have a career, but they don't find Christ? What good is it if they find out how to get a paycheck, but they don't know how to find peace? Hey, parents, what good does it if your kids get in the right school, but don't know how to get into heaven? What good is it, parents, if your kids discover friendship, but they don't discover forgiveness? Hey, kids, uh, hey, parents, what good does it do if your kids reach the echelon, the goal of professional sports, but they don't have a personal savior? Because they, they can be successful and they can have a career and they can make it on the ball field and they can make lots of money and they can get in an Ivy League school. But what does it benefit somebody? They gain the whole world but lose their own soul. And so the weight and the responsibility of parents is absolutely incredible, but I'm convinced that God can help us and God can help you in the challenges and the complexities of parenthood, that God can help us to make sure that we are fueling our kids with high octane faith. Come on, how many people here believe that God can help us? I just want you to know something, man. I believe that, man, we have a privilege to raise this next generation. This world is getting darker and darker, but I believe, man, that we're raising up the light of the world, that Jesus, through our children, they're going to influence this next generation. They're going to win this next generation. They're going to bring some hope, some reconciliation, and some peace to a broken world. If we'll raise them right, God will use them right. Come on, somebody. It's our highest privilege and our highest responsibility to make sure that we're fueling the faith of our kids. And so... God instructs Moses in the Old Testament. God gives, basically downloads some instruction to what this life of faith looks like. And here's what God tells Moses to tell the entire nation of Israel. This would be in the New Testament, us, the church, God's people. And he says this for us. He says, and you, everybody say you. Everybody say me. He's talking to all of us. He says, and you must love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, and all of your strength. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. So before we get to the next verse, what God is saying is, hey, parents, moms, dads, you set the bar of faith in the house. Like you determine the level of faith 
in the home. I just want you to know something. We, I think, know this is true, that you can't give somebody what you don't have. And if you don't have faith, it's impossible to pass it on to the next generation. And so we got to make sure that we're loving God, that we're following the Lord, that we're trusting his commands. So we have the most significant things our kids need to pass it on to the next generation. If your fuel tank's empty, the fuel tank of your kid's faith will also be empty. But then he goes on, he says this. Everybody read it with me. He says, repeat them again and again to your children. Let's try that. Repeat that what? Again and again. I want us to say that again and again and again and again. It means we got to say it four times. Come on. How often do we do it? We do it again and again, again and again, again and again, and again and again. Talk about them when you're at home and when you're on the road and when you're going to bed and when you're getting up. Here's what God is instructing Moses to tell all the parents to do is, hey, if you're going to raise your kids well, one of the things you got to do is we have to get in this regular habit of having faith conversations. He says, make sure that you're consistently and you're continually talking to your kids. Think about all the things we tell our kids again and again. Does anybody here have some things that you say at nauseum to your kids? Like you say it over and over. Anybody got some catchphrases? Brush your teeth, go to bed, make your bed, shut up. Oh, wait, we don't say that one. <laughs> do your homework, be nice, say thank you, right? All of us, we have these parental catchphrases that we say over and over again to our kids. And you know what God says? Hey, in the consistency of your conversation, one of the things that needs to make the regular rotation is about talking about commandments, talking about faith, talking about God and talking about his word. Ultimately, this conversation, he says, and, and I get it. God said, I get it. You're busy. So there's always room for these conversations. He says, if it's in the morning, do it there. If it's on the road, if you just have a minute on the road, like you're driving to a game, you're on your way to the ball field, you're on your way to a recital, he says, you can have conversations there. He says, whether it's in the morning or at night, whether it's in the house or on the road, basically it, the whole idea that God is pitching to Moses and to us as parents, that if we're going to help our kids live a high octane faith for Christ, we got to make sure that our habits are consistent. The habits of your home is what's determining the future of your kids. If you're taking notes, I'd say it this way. It's not our plans, but it's our patterns that set the path for our children which means this, it doesn't matter what your intentions are. It doesn't matter what you hope to do, what you one day was gonna do, what you eventually was gonna get to. Your kids are gonna grow up and they're gonna be and produce what you are currently doing on a regular basis in your home, which means if your kid's always on the ball field and never in the house of God, they're gonna be far more passionate about ball than they are Christ. And so we gotta set healthy patterns and habits to raise up this next generation. Come on, somebody. So Solomon, he said it this way, really interesting. Many of us have heard this verse. He says, so train up a child in the way that he should go. And when he's old, he'll not depart from it. I love this. Many of us maybe have heard this verse before. Lawrenceburg, did you know when, when Solomon says train up a child, first of all, train up like, it's this idea, it's exhausting. Anybody ever realize kids are exhausting? Like mentally, physically financially depleting. Like it's a lot. Like I thought I was having a kid. I didn't know I was getting another full-time job. But it's our privilege. It's our call. And so first of all, I says, hey, I want you to know this is going to take some effort. You got to train them up. It's a training session. But what I want you to see are these next three words. He says, train them up in the way. Everybody say in the way. 
here's why this is so cool. Did you know first century Christians, the very first disciples of Jesus, the very first believers, before they were called believers, before they were called Christians, before they were called anything, they were called people of the way. Do you know why? Because Jesus said in John 14, 6, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. So people who are following Jesus said, we're people of the way. You know what Solomon said? Solomon said, if you're going to raise kids right, you want to train them up. Come on, say it in the way that they should go. What, what he's saying is, and this is not a guarantee that your kids will never veer off path. I know it feels that way, but what he's saying is if you will focus and you will set healthy, consistent patterns in your home, if you'll set a kid daily, weekly, monthly, and for the first 18 or 25 or 30 years, whenever you get them to move out of your house, <laughs> when they're on their own, if they've lived a consistent, healthy pattern for years and possibly decades, they're not gonna depart from it. Because, because it becomes their second nature. And so I want to give four things. We talk about fueling. I want to give you four things that you need to fuel your kids with. Four specific things. If you're going to help them live a high-octane faith for God, if you're going to fuel them up with their faith, here's four things every single parent, grandparent, listen, here's things you need to do. Number one, you need to introduce them to God. Introduce your children to God. Now, what I mean by that is this. Oftentimes, talking about God in some houses feels taboo. Sometimes it almost feels like it's an off-putting conversation, like, hey, no, we don't talk about God except on Sundays. And I just want you to know, I really believe that our conversations going back to what God told Moses, whether it's in the morning or at night, whether it's in the house or on the road, like we should consistently have conversations to our kids about God. And like, it just starts with this introduction. Your kids are going to get the largest understanding of what God is, what God is like, who he is from your conversations, which means that the conversations we have about God shouldn't be special occasion conversations. It should be regular, uh, regular, uh, regular conversations. What I, might, what I mean by that is like on a daily basis, our kids should be hearing us talk about our faith. I'm not talking about the weird people. I'm talking about like for us, if we have a need, we're talking about that God is our supplier. Hey man, we got, a, we got an opportunity. We're believing God gives us favor and God's gonna open doors. If my kid comes home and he's not feeling well, hey, we're gonna call a doctor. We're gonna make sure they're getting the meds they need. But you know another thing we're gonna do? Hey, we're gonna pray right now. We're just believing, Heavenly Father, will you touch my son? Will you put grace and strength on his body? We believe that you're our healer. Having conversations, your kids are gonna get a framework of who God is like based on how you introduce them to God. And the more consistently you have those conversations in your household, the more natural it becomes to your kids that faith isn't something that happens on Sunday, but faith is an essential component of fueling their tank with faith. Come on, somebody. If you want your kid to have a great friend that'll never abandon them, introduce them to Jesus because he's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. You want your kids to have somebody that will actually give them wisdom? Introduce them to Jesus because he leads and guides us into all truth. You want your kids to have somebody that will actually hold them accountable? Then introduce them to Jesus because he's the one that will convict us of our sin and lead us in righteousness. You want your, you want your kid to have a friend that will never abandon them, that has their back? Introduce them to Jesus because he is our shield and he is our rear guard. You want your, you want your kid to have somebody that will never leave them when other friends are walking out? Introduce them to Jesus because he said, I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you. Introducing your kids to Jesus is the greatest thing that you could ever do. Introduce them to God. Here's another thing I think that we need to do if we're going to fuel our kids' faith. I think number two, we need to give them the gospel. You say, what is the gospel? The gospel, if you've never heard it, really is the greatest word of all time. 
It simply means this, good news. Good news. Well, what's the good news? I have found, like you have found, that oftentimes good news isn't really good until first it's put in the context of bad news. Bad news is you're a sinner. Bad news, you're in trouble. Bad news, we're broken people. Bad news is this world doesn't have the answer. Bad news is we're hopeless. Good news. Good news, there's a God who loves you. Good news, there's a God who will never abandon you. Good news, there's a God who sent his son Jesus to die on the cross so you could find forgiveness of your sin and have a connection with you. That's some good news. Everybody say good news. Think about all the news that your children are inundated with on a regular basis. They're inundated with the culture that's telling them how to think and how to believe about the world they live, their sexuality, the conflicts, politics, race, just basic STEM information, education, being taught about all kinds of things. The best thing you can do is to give them the gospel. If you've never heard the gospel, if you're here and you're in Lawrenceburg and still not clear what the gospel is, the gospel is this, is that the Bible just makes it really clear that you're broken and so am I. You're a sinner and so am I. You missed a mark and so did I. And there's nothing we can do to bridge the gap between our imperfection and the perfection of God. But good news, God loved us enough that he sent his son Jesus who was born of a virgin, who lived the perfect life, who died a sacrificial death in our place for our sin and rose victorious on the third day. And if you'll put your hope in who Jesus is and what he's done for you, that's how you find grace and forgiveness and a brand new beginning in your relationship with God. Good news, anybody can be saved if you'll put your hope in Jesus. And so for your kids, imagine this as they, as they wrestle, as they stress, as they face some challenges in life, Imagine how their life would be different if they are taught from a young age there's somebody they can turn to. There's somebody they can count on. Give your kids the gospel. Number three, I think this is, again, maybe challenging for us to hear, but I think if we're going to fuel our kids' tank with faith, third thing we got to do is guide them in spiritual disciplines. Guide them in spiritual disciplines. When I say guide, I mean, again, what I said in the beginning, like kids aren't going to figure it out on their own. They don't learn by osmosis. Listen, they're going to learn by watching you. They're going to learn by how you live and how you act. And so where your faith is, is where the faith of your kids are going to go, which I know some of you guys are like, oh, good news is you can get better. When I say spiritual disciplines, I think there's really five Here's five things that our kids need to learn from us and watch from us. Dads, I know you're trying to teach your kids, like, I want my kids to learn how to change their brakes and change the tire. I want them to learn how to, like, do things around the house. And I want my kids to learn how to, like, do math and, like, be successful in school and be well-mannered. I want them to learn all those things, but I want them to learn five things. I want them to learn these spiritual disciplines. I want them to learn prayer. Number two, I want them to learn the word, that God's word is absolute truth, and that's where we turn to. I want my kids to learn that God calls us to be people that serve, that God calls us to be people that give, and that God calls us to the house. Now, everybody who does these five things aren't necessarily Christians, but Christians do those five things. Let me say that again. Not everybody who prays, gives, serves, goes to church, not everybody who does those things is a Christian, but Christians do those things. And when I said, I'm just telling, listen, I'm gonna make some people mad. Lord, help me. But I'm just telling you, listen to me. I know, I know my kids have played sports. I know, I know we're in a sports area. I know it's Jesus and Saban. I get it. But I'm telling you, listen to me. 
One of the number one warnings in scripture, God warns his people against idolatry. Now, idolatry to us feels very foreign because like we don't have any like odd-shaped rock idols on our mantle places, probably. But what he's saying is anything you elevate as important over God himself is an idol in your life. And when you're in the house of God six months out of the year, but for six months you disappear because you're chasing city to city, the AAU dream that your kid's going to grow up and be somebody. He's saying, listen, what you're teaching your kids is God's important, but when football season, soccer season, and basketball season, when it rolls around, that is now more important. Your kids, when they get older, they will follow the pattern you have set and abandon the house of God when anything else they deem more important shows up. We got to get them in the house of God because that's where we worship together and that's where we grow together. And I would just tell everybody this, and I brag on this church. If you've never been in our kids center, we have one of the best kids facilities. I'm not talking about churches. I'm talking about facilities or buildings anywhere in Northwest Alabama. We just built a brand new $6 million facility in middle Tennessee. We have some of the best facilities, some of the best workers, some of the most passionate people who are willing to partner with you as parents to raise your kids in the faith. You got to get them in the house. Let's go somebody. We got to teach them to pray. Now, I get it. Some of you are like, Pastor, I like, I'm, I'm not really doing the prayer thing well myself. I have felt the pressure as a young Christian myself trying to navigate the complexities of prayer. What do you say? What don't you say? How loud should you say it? Like, if you're from a charismatic background, the louder you are, like, the more God hears you. And some of you are like from a really conservative background, so you don't even say anything out loud. It's just bow your head, close your eyes, and whisper it. I'm just telling you, I think the challenge is a lot of us at the end of the day, we're trying to figure out how to do it. And God's like, hey, just do it. A lot of us, we feel like we have to be uber spiritual. Oh, God in heaven, above, may you now bless the bounty of which we're about to partake. No. God, thanks. We wouldn't have anything if it wasn't up to you. You're our provider. We trust you in Jesus' name. Amen. God, help my kid. He's got a test tomorrow. He feels overwhelmed. Lord, will you just help him be at peace? Bring back to his remembrance the things that he studied. God, my kid's going through a tough time. Put your hand on him. Just pray for him. Just simple. Pattern. Prayer becomes a pattern. Prayer becomes a pattern. You don't have to pray long. You don't have to pray loud. We pray often. Read scripture with your kids. Now I'm going to tell you confession. You ready? We didn't read near enough scripture with our kids. I know some of you are rock stars, and every night you're with your kids and you're reading the Bible. We didn't do that. We probably should have did it more. We did it. Probably not enough. Miss prayer opportunities with my own kids. But if you talk to my kids, there's lots of times I'll just walk in the room and say, hey, man, I just want to pray with you. Not long, not deep. Just want to pray, man. Holy Spirit, help my kid. Help him today. And I'm just telling you, any parent in this room, you can do it. You don't have to be a pastor to do it. You don't have to be a professional Christian. Just out of the desire of your heart that you believe you serve a good God that your kid needs, make that prayer connection. And if you'll pray consistently, you'll raise a kid that prays consistently. Get him in the house. Get him in prayer. Get him in the Word. Get him giving. We've taught our kids from a young age. Listen, you get a, you get a $10 card in the mail from grandma, you know, come on, I said, grandma and grandpa, I know you're stressing in the, in the store about what the card says. Ain't no kid reading the card anyways. We open it, shake it, and we pick up what falls out. Come on, you all know I'm telling, I'm, if I'm lying, I'm dying. Come on. 
And we taught our kids, if it's a $10 check, when you cash, you get a $10 bill, a dollar that belongs to the Lord because we believe in tithing. And when you teach your kids to give what you're teaching, life isn't all about them. It's not what people do for them. It's about that we're blessed by God and God's our provider. And when we give, we have a privilege not just to honor God for him giving to us, but we get to partner with him in this world to bring light to a hurt, a lost and dying world. Come on. So teach your kids to give. Teach them to serve. We're, we're like Jesus most when we serve. Get them in a place where they learn to give of themselves. Five disciplines. Number four, you ready? Here's the last one. Here's the last one I think we need to do to fuel our kids with faith is we need to guard them from spiritual darkness. What? Guard them from spiritual darkness? Pastor, you're sounding so uber spiritual. Like what in the world are you talking about? What I'm saying is this is every single parent in this room. Come on, Lawrenceburg. You know what we do to keep our house safe? We got locks on the door and we have deadbolts. Some of us are packing in our nightstand. We got a 357 hoping somebody comes in one night. We got a shotgun. We have fire alarms. We have carbon dioxide alarms. Monoxide, monoxide alarms. I don't see none of you up here trying to do this. <laughs> you messed up. <laughs> but think about all the links we go to to guard our house from some potential person who may break in. While you may have a potential burglar break in, let me tell you about somebody that's trying to get in 24-7, 365. Jesus said it this way. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. While we are actively pursuing our kids and helping them to grow in their faith. Did you know the enemy's looking for any way, any opportunity to get them off the rails? And it is our job as parents, not just to protect them from the boogeyman and the bad guys and some unhealthy influential relationships. It is our highest priority. Come on, to guard them from spiritual darkness. I'm, I'm just going to tell you, like, I, I, trying to navigate, and we'll talk about this next week. Trying to navigate rules for our kids is hard. I'm not telling you to be one of those weird parents, parents that never let your kids do anything. I've been in ministry a long time. I've been a pastor for a long time. I've been a parent for a long time. And I can tell you there is a correlation between the amount of rules you have and the amount of rebellion your kids experience. I have found that the kids who have the most rules tend, tend to experience the greatest rebellion. I'm not saying you shouldn't have rules. I just think we should have some conversation. We shouldn't always have to be the one to filter what our kids watch, but we should be having conversations what's healthy and what's not, what they listen to, what they experience, relationships you're in, because the enemy's looking at angles for all of that to derail their faith. Is there any perfect parents in the house? If you're a perfect parent, wave at me. Are you scratching your head or are you waving? <laughs> I thought you were waving. I mean, there's no perfect parents in the house, but did you know that there is one perfect parent? Maybe you didn't know it, but God has really gotten a bad rap. One of the reasons Jesus came, Jesus said really he came for two reasons. Jesus said, I came to die for your sin, but I also came to give you an accurate picture of your God. He said, because religions twisted it. And I want you to know, yes, God is sovereign. Yes, God is bigger than we can imagine. Yes, God is the judge of the universe, as uncomfortable as that make you feel. But Jesus said, I've come to reestablish something that's been lost and forgotten in religion, that God, he's your heavenly father. And you can run to him and you can call out to him. And he loves you and he cares for you and he's there for you. And so there has been one and is one perfect parent. In our homes, my home, like your home is not a perfect environment. I lose my cool. I lose my patience. My kids don't always do what I think they should do. We don't have a perfect environment, but there was a perfect environment once. 
And here's what I want you to hear. If you have a perfect parent raising kids in a perfect environment, you think you would get perfect kids. Well, if you go back to Genesis chapter one, you have a perfect parent, God the Father, who's in the middle of a perfect environment. It was called paradise. There was no sin. There was nothing. But even though there was a perfect parent in a perfect, uh, perfect paradise, did you know they still experienced rebellion? Because the difference was the serpent still showed up. Which means no matter how perfect you try to strive to be as a parent, no matter what kind of perfect home you try to establish for your kid, if you're not guarding them from spiritual darkness, you're still in trouble. And so somehow we got to navigate, pray for, teach our kids to have some discernment and make really good, healthy decisions. And so if you'll do these four things, I'm convinced that we'll consistently fuel the tank of faith for our kids. Now, I know what you're thinking because I can sit where you sit. It's easy for me to get up here and talk about it, but to walk this out is challenging. Again, for some of us, we're like, wait a minute, pastor, you're telling me I got to talk about God and my kids. Like, I don't really talk about God a lot as it is. You're talking about the, like the five spiritual disciplines. Like, I don't really read scripture a lot myself. I struggle with my own prayer life. Like, I'm not even on a serve team. I'm on a show up and sit team. We'll get back to that. <laughs> like, pastor, like, how can I pass it on to my kids when I don't really have it? Here's what I want you to hear. Consistently throughout scripture, God's word always talks about the ideal and the real. The ideal is who God wants you to be as a person. The real is who you are. The ideal is who God wants me to be as a pastor. The real is who I am. The ideal is the marriage he wants you to have. The real is the marriage you really have. He's saying there's always this tension between where we are and where God wants us to be. And the goal is this. You're taking notes. You got to hear this. Listen to me. While we may never achieve the ideal, we should never settle for the real, which means no matter what level you are as a parent, you can't just say, well, this is just who I am. God will give you the grace to strive to the ideal. God can help you to be the parent he wants you to be so you can help produce and raise the kids God wants you to have, that we can raise up this next generation of life changers and world shakers. Come on. Help us, God. How many people here need a little bit of help? Come on, wave at me. need some help. We're not perfect. I'm not perfect. You're not perfect. But you can be better. Your family doesn't need a perfect parent. Just a practicing parent. I went to the doctor a long time ago. I don't remember. I was with one of my kids. Walked in, Dr. Jung was our family doctor, great guy, and always very friendly. And went there with one of our kids, and I don't remember what they were treating, but I remember this, that when he diagnosed our kids, said, hey, we're going to prescribe this thing. And I remember he said this now, we're going to take it, but it may not work, and if it doesn't work, come back, and we'll go from there. And I asked him, I'm like, so you want me to leave here, go get this prescription, pay for it, make sure he takes it, and it may not even work? I have... I mean, call me foolish, but you've been to school for like 874 years. I would expect better. And I wasn't being obtuse with him, but I just was kind of like, hey, that, you know, feels like you don't really know what you're doing. And I'll never forget he said this to me. He said, Steve, when you came in my building, he said, I don't know if you noticed, but it says the practice of Dr. John. He said, what we do is we practice medicine. He said, with education and with you know, continuing to grow. He said, we're not always perfect, but based on our knowledge, based on the situation, we'll make the best prognosis or assessment and do the best we can do. But if we don't get it right, we're not perfect. We're just practicing. And what I'm telling you is like, hey, you're not always going to get it right. There's times you're going to lose your cool. There's going to be times you go to bed and you think, oh, we didn't pray yesterday. 
I'm not saying you have to be in church every Sunday. Like, go take a vacation. But hey, we're going to consistently do these things again and again. Everybody say that again and again. Say it again and again. We're going to build habits, healthy habits in our home. We're going to raise up this next generation. And so you don't need to be a perfect parent. You just need to be a practicing parent. Here's what I know. The more you practice, the better you get. And you don't have to practice alone. God will give you grace to do it. How many in this room would say, Pastor Steve, I want to do a better job of fueling my kids' faith, for real? But I want to pray for you. I'm just trying to give you information and some revelation, but I'm praying grace for you. We all pray for me. Pray with me. Father, we love you. God, I thank you for every family member, every parent, every dad, every mom, every step-parent, every grandparent, every teacher. God, will you help us? Lord, we honestly say there's days we feel overwhelmed. We feel outworked. We feel under-equipped. But God, I pray that we will take seriously today the challenge that you gave Moses. That God, again and again, morning and evening, in the house and on the road, we're going to build consistent habits in the lives of our kid. And Father, we pray that they will raise up to be the people you want them to be. Father, we thank you in advance for your grace on our lives as parents. In Jesus' name, and everybody who agreed said amen.